the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If you know the good news of the gospel, then you have a good word for depressing life. And that is that with Jesus, there's always hope. With Jesus, there's always hope. So why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed with it? Put your hope in God. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Many great songs throughout history have been written because someone's trying to work through mental or emotional things that have taken place in their lives. So that's what Scripture says. We don't know if this expresses the life and the feelings of one of them or if, as many scholars think, they're actually just expressing the sentiment of King David. King David? Why would King David be depressed? Well, there's a number of reasons. Part of his life, he was running from a crazy king named Saul. Did you know the Bible even describes a time where he was running from his son, Absalom, and hid in a cave? I would just tell you, some of the deepest moments of darkness in our lives can come because we're dealing with family issues. And we find ourselves in the cave of depression. Regardless of who wrote it, we know this is an honest account of a discouraged person. And so I need to just remind you something. Some of the greatest people who've ever lived have openly dealt with depression. That's why it's a shame that in our society it's kind of become taboo. Some of the great people of Scripture dealt with depression. Let me give you some examples. Remember Elijah? I mean, he's one of the biggies. The Bible says that after he experienced one of the greatest victories, listen, in human history... He sat down beside a tree (laughs) and said, Lord, just kill me. In fact, I've learned that for Christ followers, God-fearing people, often when you find somebody who loves Jesus, but you, you hear them just saying, I'm just ready to go to heaven. Often that's part of depression. Because we know it's 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 going to be better there than it is here. We we're tired of this. We want that. Let me give you another one. Jeremiah. He wrote some of the books in the Bible, right? He's a big deal. He wrote a whole book called Lamentations. It's a lament. The whole book is about how depressed he is. Then here's King David. What about Job? Um, Job had reason to be depressed, right? If you know his story. Listen to what he says. What I feared has come upon me. What I dreaded has happened to me. I have no peace, no quietness, no rest, but only turmoil. And just look at those words. That's a good definition of depression if you've experienced it. No peace, no quietness, no rest, just turmoil. Let's go back to David. Because I want you to know that David, the Bible describes him as a man after God's own heart. That teaches us that depression has nothing to do with your godliness in the moment, right? While it can be resulting from sin, we've said that very clearly, you can also be walking with God and the enemy attacks you. 
Oppression is not a respecter of person. Martin Luther, who changed the practice of our faith, churches like us would not exist were it not for him. He went through a season of oppression with his wife that was so severe that his, his wife had to remove all the knives from his house because she was afraid he would take his life. He wrote about that time. He said, for more than a week, I was close to the gates of death and hell. I trembled constantly. I could find no thoughts of Christ, only desperation and blasphemy of God. What caused that here in Psalm 42? Here's what I picked up on. Something changed. Remember how he said, oh, I remember. And then he says, I want to go back to the way it was. He experienced change, just like we talked about. You may experience those things like childbirth or emptiness or divorce or job loss or a move or a diagnosis. What about you? Are you walking through discouragement because of change? If depression is going to be dealt with and defeated, you got to see it for what it is. So do you see it? Need a little more help? How does it manifest in our lives? Is it just a feeling of sadness or could it be more? It's more. Maybe sleep issues. Like you just don't want to get out of bed. I heard about this guy that his mom came in. I've told you this, but I got to tell you again. Mom came in one day and she said, you, you got to get up and go to church. He just pulled the covers over his head. He said, I don't want to go to church. She said, you, you got to go to church. She said, why? She said, it's the right thing to do. He said, I'm going to tell you why I don't want to go to church. Those people there, they don't like me. He pulled the covers over head again. He said, she said, that's not a good reason. He said, let me give you another reason. I don't like those people. He pulled the covers over head. She said, that's not a good reason. He said, give me one good reason I should go to church. She said, because you're the pastor. <laughs> Sometimes you just don't feel like it. There's sleep issues. Or, or you can't sleep. There's apathy. You just don't care. Your appetite changes. That can go two different ways, right? You don't feel like eating. You begin to lose weight. You really feel like eating all the time. You gain weight. There's intimacy challenges. You love your spouse. There's everything in you to try to be intimate. And then there's physical problems. I think it manifests in back pain often, according to doctors. It manifests in head pain, headaches. And then like the psalmist says, there's social isolation. You begin to look at everybody else kind of suspiciously, so you say, stand back, Jack. I don't really want to be around anybody. Hey, and this is a problem, by the way, because as I mentioned, you were created for what? Relationship, for fellowship, fellowship with God and fellowship with others. Why? Because God knows that when we isolate, we are vulnerable. On that safari, I saw this zebra and um, man, what a creature, pretty cool looking creature. And uh, as, as you look at the zebra, you would think, man, that zebra's at peace. And he was. He was just grazing and enjoying his meal. What you can't see in that picture is something that we saw. And we stopped for about 20 minutes in the Jeep and watched. Because watching that zebra along with us was a lion. 
And the lion saw one thing, a striped buffet. And the lion had recognized that that one zebra had gotten away from all the other zebras. And because it was isolated, listen church, it was vulnerable. And the same thing happens with us. I want you to understand you were created for a relationship. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, it's vital that you understand that gathering with other believers is essential for your mental and emotional health. So I commend you for being here today, but I want you to recognize that it's no surprise that in a season where even those who follow after Christ were shut out of church for a lot of time, and a lot of churches hesitated to gather together, and many more still stayed away from church for a longer time, it's no surprise that depression has been on the rise. That isolation hurts us. Scripture tells us that there's a a lion, or one who thinks he's a lion. He's roaming to and fro. He's seeking whom he may devour. He's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. Don't isolate yourself. Last, another symptom is just emotional instability. Maybe it's always weepy. For men, can I tell you, for men, you just get really angry. So your fuse is really short. Your temper is high and hot. Snap back. So what do you do? Well, much like we talked about an addiction, you have to confront the problem, right? You're not going to get any better if you don't recognize there's an issue. And this in itself is a problem because the world I've grown up in does not like to talk about this. And especially in the church. Because in the church, people would tell you things like, You just need to love Jesus more. You just need to push through it. You just need to look around and see how good it is. And while all those things may be true, the reality is sometimes that's not enough. So how do you confront it? Well, first you understand that emotions are real. They are valid, but they're not permanent. Did you hear that? Your emotions are, are, are real. They're valid, but they're not permanent. So how we feel, that doesn't determine how we live. What we believe does determine how we live. Dr. Keith Abloh says, depression is the grand imposter. It's posing as all-powerful. It can be defeated every time if you or the person you care about confronts it like the grand imposter it is. So what does the downcast psalmist do about his soul? Let's begin at these first verses you'll recognize this first part because a lot of us used to sing this in a song. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. You can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now... 
we continue with our message. Likewise, in our lives, when we walk through these things that impact us, it should cause us to long for God. When we face desperation and despair and depression, it should cause us to long to run to God. You're going to run to something. What are you running to? Are you running to some kind of substance, a pill or alcohol to dull the pain, self-medicate? Are you running to a relationship that's not healthy? Again, because in a moment you feel good. Do you dull the mind with something like pornography? Are you running to food? I think in this psalm, we see three things that can help us, at least from a spiritual standpoint, when we face that dark night of the soul. So let me give those to you, then I want to illustrate it and we'll be finished. Number one, make a decision today to praise the Lord regardless of your circumstances. As I mentioned, the psalmist is focused on one thing, the Lord. His eyes are on the Lord. Do you understand that? That when our eyes are fixed on Jesus, everything else begins to pale in comparison. I love the old hymn we used to sing, Oh soul, are you weary and burdened? No light in the darkness you see. What does it tell us to do? Take a look at the Savior. And everything else begins to grow dim. Charles Spurgeon says of this passage, ease he did not seek, honor he did not covet, but the enjoyment of communion with God was an urgent need of his soul. He viewed it not merely as the sweetest of all luxuries, but as an absolute necessity like water to a stag. The first response to weariness in our soul should be worship of our Savior. How do you do that? It's a decision. You determine to praise him. Yesterday morning, I was gathered with some of the saints as we do every Saturday, and we're praying for you. We prayed over the chairs. We prayed in this room. We were praying through Psalm 8. I want to give you one of the verses we prayed. Psalm 8, 2. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Now, what is that saying? Praise is so powerful that God uses it to create a stronghold over you to keep your enemies from you. Now, I told you, we're not going to give you just a simple formula, but I do believe what Scripture says. Praise is so powerful that when it comes even from the lips of a child, God uses it to put a boundary of protection around you that even the strongest foe can't defeat. So throughout the Psalms, the writer talks about his past praise of God. I remember how we used to do it. He talks about how he's praising God even in the storm. And then he talks about how he's going to continue to praise God no matter what comes. As simple as it may seem, that's what I'm going to ask you to begin to do. Sometimes all you can do is say, Jesus. Sometimes the situation is so tough that... You just need to say his name again, Jesus. Sometimes you find yourself and you're just thinking, all I can say is, 
Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's all I know to do. Sometimes, though, God begins to stir in you. And you have a song that's got to bubble out of your heart. And you just begin to sing. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. See what it does in your life? It changes you. Master, Savior, Jesus. Like the fragrance after the rain sing his name Jesus 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim now here's why because everything else kings and kingdoms they will all pass away but there's something about that name would you just praise the name of Jesus today would you do that church in verse 5 and verse 11 he says I'm going to praise you when when we were in spiritual settings in Tanzania uh, someone would stand up and they would give a greeting and, and the first time they did that a lot of us just sat there and And we realized we were in trouble because they were expecting us to respond in turn. And they would say, Buana Safiwe. And they would expect us to say, Buana Safiwe. Raise your hand if you know Safiwe. I mean, it's Swahili. Okay, I didn't think so. So let me tell you what that means. It means praise the Lord. So they would say praise the Lord and they would expect us to say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. There's something about praising the name of God. And I know sometimes you don't feel like it. But as we've said, we're not guided by our feelings. We're guided by our beliefs. And I've learned that even in our moments of greatest need, God will put a song in our heart if our hearts are in tune with his. So praise the Lord regardless of your circumstances. Secondly, pray with expectation that God hears and cares and will answer. What is the psalm? It's a song. It's a song to who? Not a rhetorical question class. It's a song to who? It's a song to God. All of these psalms, that's what they are. The middle of your Bible, 150 of them. They're prayers. They're songs to God in prayer. But guess what? This is not like a Sunday school kindergarten prayer. This is not God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for the food. No, this is raw and real. It's God. Where are you? Everybody says you don't exist anymore. I feel like I'm going to die. My soul is downcast. I don't even know how I'm going to make it through this. It's talking to yourself in such a way that you understand the importance of talking to God about your circumstance. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact you're listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? So remember a few weeks ago, we talked about taking our thoughts captive. So think about those thoughts that come into your mind in the morning. He says, you've not originated them, but they're talking to you. They bring back the problems of yesterday. Somebody's talking. Who's talking to you? 
yourself is talking to you. This man's treatment was this. Instead of allowing himself to talk to him, he starts talking to himself. Why are thou downcast, O my soul, he asked. His soul has been depressing him, crushing him. So he stands up and says, self, listen for a moment. I'll speak to you. Why are you downcast? My hope is in the Lord. You go to God in prayer. You tell him how you feel. He can handle it. He's not caught off guard by the circumstances or the changes in your life. I'm going to read this verse to you in a moment, but I want to remind you that it says, God is so good that even when you don't feel like praying, if you just think it, the Holy Spirit of God will begin to cry out on your behalf. Praise the Lord regardless of your circumstances. Pray with expectation that God hears, cares, and answers. And then number three, Preach the gospel to yourself every day. We need to hang out here a second. Because a lot of you grew up in church and this is what you were taught. You need to ask Jesus to come into your heart. So that he can forgive you of your sins and you can go to heaven. And that's true. But a lot of you stopped there. You stopped at that element with your salvation. That's not all the gospel is for. When Jesus died on the cross and when he rose from the grave, he did that not just so that you could have forgiveness. He did that so that you could have life. And as Jesus told us, he wants us to experience abundant life. And the only way we experience abundant life is when we go back to the gospel on a daily basis. This summer, Kimberly and I will celebrate 30 years of marriage by God's grace. But guess what? The only way we stay married is we preach the gospel to ourselves daily. We're two sinners that are saved by God's grace. We need that reminder on a regular basis. You're a Christian businessman or businesswoman or school teacher, and you want to represent Christ where you are. The only way you're going to do that is preach the gospel to yourself daily because you're a sinner and you're going to blow it. And you're going to call somebody to look at you and go, you're a hypocrite. You get the picture? In every area of our life, we have to preach the gospel to ourselves. So certainly that is true of our mental and emotional health. When those thoughts come into your life, you've got to remember that Jesus died to give you hope. Charles Spurgeon said, I found no better cure for my depression than to trust in the Lord with all my heart and to seek to realize afresh the power of the peace-speaking blood of Jesus and his infinite love in dying upon the cross to put away all my transgressions. Now, I want to illustrate this for you. This morning when I got up early, the first thing I did was do my Bible reading plan. I'm an undisciplined person. The only way I stay faithful is to have a plan and attack the plan. So my plan this year, again, is called the McShane plan. There's four passages of scripture every morning. I want you to see how fresh the word of God is. I knew that when I finished reading my Bible, I would finish with this message. This is one of the passages he sent me. Romans 8 verse 1. Therefore... There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Romans 8, 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Amen? 
Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. Amen, church? Romans 8, 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Romans 8, 37. No, in all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. I'm convinced neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demon, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything in all creation, nor depression, nor despair, nor the dark night of the soul will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the hope of the gospel. If you know the good news of the gospel, then you have a good word for depressing life. And that is that with Jesus, there's always hope. With Jesus, there's always hope. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. Be encouraged by The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on Faith Talk Tampa. Online at letstalkfaith.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.